said, the end of the year, Vine Staff Podcast. Hopefully this will be an annual tradition. But first things first, James, go ahead. You said tradition, I was going to say, unlike any other. A tradition unlike any other, yep. Uh, we're already off to a good start. Uh, first things first, though, we need to welcome our new esteemed colleague. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Houston Tucker is with us. So it's like we're getting the band back together. Um, all of our hopes and dreams for the Vine staff are officially now complete. Now that Houston has uh, has joined the uh, the staff here, officially not until let's see, as I check my watch, three days from now, the first of January. Um, he coming in on Friday? He better be, or he's gonna get a strong, strongly worded email. Um, you'll need to talk into the mic there. No, you gotta you gotta make jokes into the mic. Into the mic. You got to have that close to your mouth there, Houston. When Thanks we, for having when me, Zach. The podcast. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here, Houston. Um, and we also have uh, the only female in the room, Miss Laurel Eccles. Hello. And then James over there with lots of verbal bombs to be dropped uh, throughout the course of this podcast with his... Just joyous, festive spirit that blesses us all. Um, but keep in keeping with the festive spirit, here's my first question for you guys. Um, what's a favorite? Let me just kind of get to know you time, you know, because that's good for our church. Just kind of get to know us as, as a staff, as people. What's a favorite Christmas memory that you guys have? Favorite Christmas memory. What do we got? Okay, I've got one. It's not spiritual at all. But um, my mother-in-law sews, and often she would sew us Christmas presents, and she's not a great planner, so she would often be sewing, like on Christmas Eve, right there in the dining room, and we weren't allowed to really like look at what she was sewing. But the dining room is connected to the living room, and so it was Justin and I and his brother and his brother's wife and his sister. Now, his sister was back from France and his brother was back from Germany. So we hadn't seen each other in a while and we're all very close. And we were wanting to have a conversation, but his mother was sewing and it's a very small house. So we couldn't really hear each other talking. And so what we decided to do was act out to the rhythm of her sewing our Christmas presents for one another to see if we could guess them. So in rhythm to the noise of the sewing machine, we were doing charades, acting out <laughs> our gifts to one another. And we laughed a lot, and it was a really great memory of just being together and being silly. That's it. There you have it. Thanks, Laurel. That was great. Gentlemen? I might, I might could top that. Um, so mine's from this year, actually. Uh, my uh, mom and stepdad have a like an outdoor fire pit, but it's like a propane 
one um, kind of a sits on your patio type and he and I carried it upstairs onto their deck and I guess at some point in carrying it up we loosened a connection and didn't think to disconnect it pull the tank away and then carry it up oh so we were sitting around the fire pit can I say smoking cigars Ooh, you just cut did. that out. Well, you, are you gonna? You don't cut this. Uh, we tend not to edit anything on oh, the Vine Church podcast. Okay, so <laughs> cats out of the bag. Um, so we were sitting there, and I got closer to the fire pit because it was cold out. Uh, and next thing I know, this little door that contains the propane tank kicked open, and a fireball shot up my front, uh, burned my pants. Uh, sin- there were like joggers, like just a hole right, right in the middle of the pants. Uh, burned all of the hair on my face, from my chin to my mustache to my eyebrows, my eyelashes, the front this of my hair. This is just like a few. This days is ago? this is a uh, Christmas Eve night. Oh my gosh! Christmas Eve. Your yeah. My eyelashes are short. My eyelashes are short. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> dude, that's scary. Well, it it happened so fast. I like I didn't get burned at all. Like nothing hurt. It's wild cuz it burned my hairs on my face, but like my face didn't get burned at all. Wow. I don't get it. It was a miracle. It was a Christmas miracle. <laughs> really. Uh yeah, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, so ruined the the pair of pants. I had to shave. It was I preached on Sunday. Yeah, you looked very nicely, cleanly shaven. Thank you. I, I mentioned that to Kim on the uh, on the live stream. That wow, Houston looks cleanly shaven and nice. okay. Uh, it was not it, it was uh, not my plan to go clean shaven, <laughs> but I I'm really th- what I'm most thankful for is that it didn't wreck my eyebrows because I wouldn't want to shave my eyebrows. <laughs> that was what I was most worried about. <laughs> Wow, man, that's that's pretty scary. What do you got, James? So you had a hole in your pants. <laughs> oh yeah. Was it chilly? Oh yeah. Well, a little less chilly for me. <laughs> so the the joke is, uh, and poor Kinsey, she was like in bed at this point. So I go into the room, and I just say, "Hey, before you freak out, I'm okay," but. I caught fire a little bit earlier. I'm okay though. Um, but the the joke was that uh, have you ever seen the movie Christmas Vacation? Yeah. I, I was sitting in there with a cigar in my mouth on fire. Right. And not on fire. That's dramatic. But previously burnt. And uh, my family kept bouncing back and forth between freaking out and laughing hysterically because I looked like the end of Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Wow, man, that's that's pretty intense. It was intense. Well, we're glad you're okay. Um, yeah, what about you, James D? I think there's something you should know about me, Zach, and it's that I have an awful memory. Okay. And I cannot remember anything specific about any specific Christmas. But I will say I always remember just Christmas time in general as a kid uh it just always seemed like there was lots of snow and just being outside with my brothers and sister uh and across the street from us there was a creek and leading up to the creek was a big hill but 
and so we would always we would just be sledding all the time on Christmas break, and it was a blast. But I, you know, going back to that hill across from my folks' house now, it's like not that big, and the creek is like a foot wide. But I remember as a kid, it was the most exciting thing to go down this hill, which we called Suicide Hill, because thought we were gonna we thought we were gonna end our lives, and especially if. Like, the goal was to, like, get into, like, make it to the water. But not, like, into the water, but, like, to the edge of the bank, you know? But a few years ago, I went back to the Suicide Hill, and it's not impressive. It's, like, (laughs) it's not that big at all, and the creek is not huge. And I don't know why we were so terrified of it. But it was one of those things as a kid where you thought it was the most terrifying fun ever. (laughs) That's what I think about when I think about Christmas. Well, that's great. Yeah, we've got explosions and and uh, crazy sledding accidents that never really happened. Uh, for me, it was um, yeah, I'm I'm similar. Like I don't have any poignant memory, but I do remember always being excited to go to the. Our church had a uh, 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service, and like stay up late, or maybe it was midnight, like a midnight mass kind of thing. But I think it was 11 p.m. and it was candlelight service. On Christmas Eve, and uh, it was just somehow exciting for me as a kid to stay up really late and go to the candlelight service at our church on Christmas Eve. Did you ever see Santa? No, but do you know if you rearrange the letters in the word Santa, you know what it makes? Pandas. Houston, you need to talk in the mic. Nat, Nat, Natsa. Nope. Satan. <laughs> you guys didn't know that, did you? Just rearranged a couple letters. So we don't talk about Santa very often in our house. Because it may be Satan? It's just, uh, I don't know. We just don't deal in Norse mythology very much, James. I don't know about what happens in your house. So you, your kids never believed in Santa growing up? Saint Nick is Turkish. He's from Turkey or ancient Greece, which is modern day Turkey. Um, no, I'm just kind of being silly right now, Houston. But now we never made a big deal out of Santa. Um, but we do have a poignant memory of like Maya blurting out to one of her little friends when she was like four that Santa isn't real and just like ruining this girl's day and like crying. So I don't know if you guys ever did that. When my sister found out that Santa wasn't real. The, this is a famous story in our family. She's just in there in tears. And my aunt told her, because who knows why, she's in tears. And the first thing she says is, does Bubby know? <laughs> Who's Bubby? Me. She, oh. was, <laughs> she was worried that I didn't know. You're, I'm five years older than she is. Your name, your nickname is Bubby? Yeah, apparently she couldn't oh, say brother or something. I like oh. Bubby. Where's Bubby? Bubby's new on staff. Dude, That that's good, man. I like that. No, no, it's good, man. It's good. It's a... Term of endearment. Does Kinsey use the word Bubby for you? No. Well, maybe we need to start. No, I feel like that'd be pretty weird. All right, Vine family, you heard it first here. Bubby, Bubby, Bubby Tucker. I like that. Oh, that's good. Hey, James, I want to focus on you real quick. Um, you know, we've been having... Uh, you know, in December, a lot of, a lot of buying, a lot of purchasing, a lot of Amazon, a lot of mailman. And I was reminded that you 
had a stint with the United States Postal Service. And uh, a lot of people probably don't know that about you, that you had a stint with the United States Postal Service not too far in the, uh, in the recent past here. Tell us about that, James. Like, what was that like? What's it what, behind the scenes of the mail carrier? Well, it's glamorous uh, to start off. It is exceptional work. You know, my grandfather, also named James Joseph Davenport, since we're revealing our full names here today on this episode, <laughs> my grandfather was a mailman for decades. And so just following in his great path, as my name is also James Joseph Davenport, yeah, I picked up the bag and I was delivering mail. Uh, it's honestly been almost five, four years, three years, three years, four years. Uh, so I, I imagine things have changed. But Laurel, I don't know if you've known, but I've actually delivered mail to your house prior to your... Yes, you told me that once. Oh, okay. Well, or Emily did. Okay. Uh, you know, being a mail carrier is hard work. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice job in the sense of you get your mail in the truck, and then you just put your headphones in and just listen to podcasts and walk around the streets of Madison all day. Um, but yes, this time of year stinks because everyone is ordering. I can't imagine mail men or women in 2020 given everyone was ordering online um and the amount of packages that they were dropping um but yeah it's a lot of work you walk i think i averaged like 15 miles a day walking um so a lot of work but i would say the one thing you don't tell your mail carrier is wow you're late today that's very insulting (laughs) because you could have had a really rough day and dogs were attacking you and you dropped your bag and of mail in the rain and whatever chaos has ensued and then you got told you were late like that's yeah that's hard it is and especially because um you're probably on a route you've never been before trying to find people that you don't know who supposedly live in an address that is on this block but you can't find them (laughs) it's hard because people are constantly moving so do you have um, compassion on the mail carriers oh, now yeah. in a different way? Oh, yeah. Did I, you leave them a present for Christmas? Well, technically, they cannot accept gifts. Okay. So. But there are gifts given, so what do you do? Well, I think you're supposed to re- I don't know. There was a handbook. There, it's a union job and a you federal job. You didn't go job. deep into the handbook, yeah. did you? <laughs> no. You're supposed to report gifts. I don't think you're supposed to accept them. If it's over $10 maybe in value, Yeah, I could be totally wrong. All right. All right. Well, we'll look into that, and uh, next podcast we'll re- report back on what the handbook <laughs> says about mail carriers Just give them a gifts. good thank you. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, giving us a behind-the-scenes look there, James. That's really, really good. Um, so, man, we got some exciting things happening in 2021. We got uh, Bubby Tucker coming on staff, uh, church planning resident. <laughs> he said, "You have to say that in the mic, Bubby." <laughs> I regret it already. Bubby is a great nickname. I love it. Um, and we've got the Eccles. Um, exploring a new missional horizon near the Ecuador. 
near the Ecuador, near the equator in Ecuador. Um, I'd love for us to talk about some of those things. But um, I wanted to start just thinking about 2020, and everybody says 2020 was like the worst year ever. And of course, we all know it had really, really challenging things as a significant part of it. But as you guys look back and we think about our church, the life of our church, or just maybe your life personally, um, what are some things that you guys are thankful for that you've seen the Lord do in 2020 um, that we could just draw attention to and be, be thankful for? What comes to mind for you guys? Well, I'd love to kick things off, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just thankful on a personal level just for uh, good health for my family and um, um, just an ability to, uh, yeah, uh, even be with family. Um throughout the year at different times for different holidays. Uh, so thankful for that. And, um, just for, um, just thankful for just really good, um, uh, just leaders here at the vine with city groups and, um, with those who serve in different ministries at the vine, just things didn't, um, stop or come to a, an end. Um, but we, we added a city group. Um, we've seen different things take off at the Vine in, in ministry, and so um, things didn't come to a standstill, but people rose to just uh, adapt and make changes as needed. So just thankful for individuals at the Vine uh, and their leadership. I'll follow James, see if I can top that like Houston topped my story. Um, well, I was commenting to James before we recorded that maybe my answers wouldn't be very popular because I didn't mind working from home and I didn't mind having my kids move back in and I'm sort of a homebody. So I did actually have more margin in my life and was able to spend more time doing some of the things that I love, like taking more walks and reading more longer times in prayer with my husband, um, enjoying my yard, doing projects, um, and some of the newer rhythms I got to develop in um, taking walks with women and meeting them outside and walking and talking and maybe not such formal uh, discipleship, but more informal life on life and really enjoyed growing in relationship with, with several women, many women in the church through that and um, also enjoying nature and getting a chance to watch each day as my plants grew and just marveling at that and how much I didn't realize how much pleasure that would bring me. I remember several days just sitting in my yard with my headphones on, listening to music or a podcast for hours, just on my hands and knees, weeding and looking and just enjoying um, God's creation. That was very restorative and life-giving. I think for me, uh, I, so I just finished, uh, managing a Starbucks store recently and 2020 was kind of, um, I was not there for very long, just over a year. And 
so 2020 was kind of both me learning how to do it and how to do it in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so I, I think I'm, I'm thankful for just a lot of things that I learned um, this past year. And I'm also thankful that it's over. I'm thankful for this, you know, this next step and this next chapter. So yeah, thank, thankful for what I've learned and also thankful that it's over. Let me ask a follow-up. What okay. What are some of the things that you learned? Um, and I'll come back to me with what I'm thankful for, but um, I'd like to derail a little bit, improvise a little bit, because I think this is interesting for us to hear. I uh, got a, um, a, some insight into the inner workings of the United States Postal Service. Mm. What about Starbucks? Mm. Um, what did you learn working at Starbucks? Why was that a blessing to you? Why is that something you're thankful for? Because let people know you were the general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just said it, I guess. You were the general manager. I was manager. the general manager, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, just just an experience. Such an experience. I, I think one of the things that I learned, especially with the pandemic, uh, Starbucks... This is, you know, I'm not trying to evangelize Starbucks by any means here, but Starbucks's approach to the pandemic and taking care of the employees, I thought was incredible. Like we got six weeks of paid time away right in the beginning when, when everything was shutting down, um, even though legally Starbucks could have stayed open because they were food service. So that was, to me, just that kind of thing. And then paid um, isolation time. A lot of changes. I think Starbucks really did a lot to take care of us. And I felt very cared for and appreciated, especially as a manager. Um, And I think one thing I learned was that people are going to fall on all ranges of the spectrum and how they respond to that kind of thing. And so there were some people, I, I, I felt so appreciative. And there was a lot of us, I think, that were just really recognized that Starbucks didn't need to do that. Uh, but did and felt very cared for and appreciated. Um, and then there were some people that that was not enough and, um, people that thought that we shouldn't be reopening people that thought that people that thought that Starbucks should continue to pay them to stay at home, um, well beyond the six weeks. Um, so I, I think that's for me is just really important for me to hang on to is that, you can do something well, and and people are going to respond in the full spectrum to how how you did. Um, and I think that's kind of just a uh, specific example of how I felt my whole time there was. It's just I, you know, I hope and think that I'm doing a good job, but I can't really gauge that off of you know a single comment from this person right. or or a anecdote from that person. Right. Yeah, that's really good, man. Are there other things you feel like you learned in terms of being the general manager? You're like the, you know, in terms of that store, of course you have a boss over you, but you have a lot of employees that report to you as the general manager. It's a, it's a significant leadership role uh, to be the general manager of a Starbucks location. Um, Are there, do you feel like there's lessons you learned in terms of leadership that uh, translate into becoming a, a leader in the local church? Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, I, I think kind of what you're getting at is just this idea that there's no one above you in this small circle. Um, 
and that also you're not on the same level as everybody else in this circle. And I think on that end, you know, I, I feel like a fairly relational person and being a relational person, but not having peers in my direct work environment, uh, was a really interesting experience. Um, uh, I, I think how that translates to the local church is that not that there's a hierarchy in the church at all, um, n- not necessarily a hierarchy in the church, but but there is that sense of like, I think there could be that sense of uh, being the only one in this position, which is why I think the vine is so wonderful that uh, there's so much team leadership. But um it was it was an interesting experience of how do I then like build relationships with people and convey that I care for them when um, I'm not a peer with them in this sense. And there are some boundaries to our relationship. Um, maybe that's not quite as applicable as the church, but just how do I build friendships with people when I'm their boss, um, when they view me in a certain way? Um, and then how do I keep you know integrity about how i treat them and treat others still um yeah just just that like building relationships looks different and doesn't mean i shouldn't still do it and so i think that was a big thing about this past year is it's just that balance of building relationships in a healthy way now that i'm in a leadership position uh balancing that with still being in the leadership position yeah that's good that's good. Yeah, it is something that we have to consider that's that's unique. It's like we want to all be the body of Christ, um, and we are, uh, as leaders, like a staff team, um, as leaders, you know, we uh, have unique roles that can make you feel sometimes um, not just one of the gang necessarily, um, but at the same time, we're submitted and we're connected and uh, it's like this both end of like, yeah, we're just part of the body of Christ. We're just like everybody else in another sense because of our job description. We're not. And learning to navigate that can be challenging. Um, yeah, so for me, thankful. Um, thinking about 2020, I think the thing that just jumps out for me is that it seems like, you know, COVID and and some of these challenges aren't totally in the rear view mirror quite yet. It feels like we can maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. But as I look back, um, even though there's more challenges surely to come, but there were a lot of landmines in 2020 um, that it seems like as a church, we did a pretty good job navigating around them, you know, and I'm really proud of our people. Um, I've heard a lot of horror stories from other friends that are pastors Um and so I'm just really thankful that, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but I am 99%, you know, just really thankful for how our people have conducted themselves in light of, you know, an election that was extremely contentious and COVID convictions that are very contentious and people having strong opinions about um, how racial justice is dealt with and talked about and viewpoints there that are really strong. Um, so uh, that's one thing I'm really thankful for. And really practically, I'm also thankful that um, our budget was able to stay relatively healthy. And it's not like we're all about money or anything at the Vine. Um, 
It's not something we emphasize a ton, but again, I was bracing for there maybe to be some type of a financial meltdown. Um, and that may still happen, you know, with, you know, with the economy, who knows, but our hope is for sure not in money. Um, and, and God's going to build his church no matter what, but, uh, it's one factor to consider when it comes to having a church and, um, having a healthy budget that is reflective of priorities is encouraging, um, so that those priorities can be manifest as we move into the future. So, um, really thankful for that. Anything else come to mind as we've been talking here, guys, that you want to share? Um, it's good to, it's good to be reminded of God's faithfulness and, and make this, uh, a regular discipline. Anybody going once, going twice? I think I would just echo in some degree what you said about our people, just that there were some rocky points, but it was really, really thankful for that people brought their questions and were willing to talk through things and have their framework or ideas shifted and more in, in line with what scripture actually teaches and really blessed by that and encouraged by the, the way our people want to authentically walk through and work through um, the issues that we are facing and have faced and will continue to face in the coming months. So yeah, I was really encouraged overall. And James, you've been on staff now 10 months. When did you officially start? February 2020. And you were the first Vine Conversations podcast guest, I believe. First and last, bookend it, baby. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have some more after this one. Oh, well, of 2020. Oh. You know, I opened the show season. Yep. And I'm closing the season. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. I'm Book a little in. slow on Season the, one. Slow on the Is season one there. done with today? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure we're going seasons, oh, but uh, okay. maybe it's just like, uh, we're just, but yeah, in one sense. Okay. But, man. I thought we were on season one. We'll just call next year season two and just right. go with it. Um. So remind me again, I wasn't listening. When did you start? Uh, I started February of 2020. Right. Right. So it's been 11 months about ish. We'll just say ish. Yeah. Um, And what thoughts do you have about 11 months of working at the Vine? What have you learned? What do you, what do you, uh, what are your just overall reflections? Because have you worked full time at a church before? Uh, I've worked a lot of part-time church before, not full-time. You know, I think it's, it's in one sense, kind of hard to evaluate because everything has been kind of odd. Um, you know, I started, if we remember, if we want to go back, one of my first things jump, jumping on staff was we took a team of 10 down to Ecuador, um, and had a great trip, um, there with Claudio and his church and kind of came back and March was kind of the beginning of closing things up here in Madison. Um, so it's been kind of an interesting ride in a lot of senses because a lot of my oversight with next gen and youth and city groups um, just looks vastly different than it did in February of 2020. So um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, just a reflection of 
again, just of seeing individuals and the different ways in which people serve and, and lead at the vine and just seeing creativity and just an energy and a passion to uh, continue to minister and um, not allow, um, you know, that we just, that we, we shut down and, and don't operate or minister, but we, we find creative solutions to, to keep things going. And um, so that's been fun to be a part of and look forward to hopefully um, in this new year of a little bit more normalcy in church life. Um, but obviously that's unknown yet. So, I have Zach, a question for you, Zach. Okay. What have you learned about James in working with him for the past 11 months? It's a great question, and I was actually going to just say something um, along those lines. I've learned that James is awesome. <laughs> and I do, like, I'll just keep it most honest here. Um, like, when we first met, sometimes I felt like you would just, like, sometimes I just felt like you would just blow me off. And like not respond to like emails and stuff. And I was like, what's up with this James guy? Is he flaky? Um, I remember when we used the city and I would send you messages on the city. Now this, this is dating. The city was amazing. Yeah. So uh, city was what we used before this, before the slack attack happened at the vine. But I just remember thinking, man, I wonder if James, like what's, does he just like have issues with communication or whatever? And, um, and, Man, it's just been like such a, obviously, like my opinion over the years, that was like a first impression, you know, and that has morphed a lot, obviously. Um, but man, you have just been awesome to have on staff. Uh, and it's good for me to say that publicly and because I mean it. Um, you've just been an amazing addition to our team. And I'm excited about that. I mean, excited about you. I'm excited about Houston. Um, <laughs> Houston, Bubby. Bubba. Bubby. Bub, Bubbies. Bubs. Bubs. Bubby. <laughs> it's Bubby, Houston. Um, Houston, Tucker, uh, and Laurel, you've been amazing as well uh, for the last four years, five years. Yep. And um, so I'm excited about the staff team. But yeah, I've learned a lot about James. I've learned that James um, is a lot of fun, um, and he has a ferocious uh infectious enthusiasm about him that i think is great um and uh yeah laurel yes i've learned that his enthusiasm doesn't wane and i've appreciated that he's always ready for like anything like if it's moving chairs or recording a silly video he's a gifted videographer and an emerging designer and really there isn't anything that James puts his mind to that he can't accomplish either with skill or enthusiasm. So I, I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate that you have played some practical jokes. So I'm not the only one anymore and it's good to pass that torch along. Thanks Laurel. Yeah. Zach. What's been your favorite practical joke, Laurel, that you've ever played on anyone? <laughs> oh, Kim might get mad at me. <laughs> well, okay, I'll say a short one and a long one. One of my favorite practical jokes is uh, when we first moved into our office, every morning for like a month, I would go into Casey Johnson's office and lower the seat, lower his chair seat. 
And when he'd come in, he'd kind of look around and then put it back up to the point that one day he got rid of the chair and bought a new one. <laughs> so uh, that was one of my favorites. And I felt actually kind of bad because they were under a budget crunch and we were under a budget crunch. And he spent, you know, X amount of dollars on a new chair because he thought his was broken. <laughs> and so I had to go in and actually own up and tell him it wasn't broken. And he took it very well. Um, but my probably all-time favorite <laughs> favorite practical joke done with all love, Kim, all love. Jim and Jim, Jimmy Dean here was in on it. That's going a little far. <laughs> <laughs> your your father-in-law <laughs> provided the letter template. So my favorite practical joke. Can I tell? Oh, sh- sure. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go Do you want the other mic so you can jump in? No, So Zach moved uh, across town and I happened to drive by his new house one day and noticed that the lawn was really overgrown and commented to my friend Emily Davenport how long the lawn was. And she said, you know, that's actually a violation. My father, that's what he does. He's a city inspector. Code enforcer. Code enforcer. And so that's what he does is he'll go around and if somebody's lawn is actually too long, he gives them a letter. And I was like, oh, that could be funny. Like, here's poor Zach. He just moved in. I helped him move in. And this lawn is very overgrown in comparison to everyone else's in his neighborhood. And so we were on vacation. They were on vacation. (laughs) So I got a copy of this letter from Emily Davenport, James's wife. This is how James is involved. She is married to me. She is. Uh, he sent me his letter, and I just made some changes to it and posted it to Zach. And they got. Set it in their I set it in their mailbox, and then over the course of six months, kept um, giving them code violation letters that were increasingly ridiculous. Like he should go out and measure the length of the southwest qua- southwest quadrant of his lawn by the light of the full buck moon, and. Um, and just just ridiculous and accused him of growing things in his lawn that weren't actually growing there. Did you bring his uh, realtor into it as well? I did. I did. And when at one point I said, look, your real estate agent should have warned you of these neighborhood violations. And one of them was that they had leaves in their lawn and they needed to use purchase uh, deer urine from <laughs> the DNR to spray their lawn with and get rid of this special fungi that grew on the leaves. Anyway... And that was for Tony Tucci. Yeah, and that was... Bring him into this conversation. Yeah, Tony Tucci should have warned Zach about these neighborhood regulations. Anyway, it was a series of letters. I can provide these letters. They're hilarious. I saved them all. Uh, six months worth of letters. And well, Zach, you, you take yeah. it over. So little did these guys know, we actually have a history of bad experiences with the city. And so um, at our old house, we had some neighbors that were just a little particular a little different uh enough said but um kind of reclusive and i think very fearful you know just never talked ever and very kind of strange but they called the city on us a few times for some very very ticky tacky violations of like property codes and stuff like that that amounted to nothing um, but that's kind of in my background a little bit because like getting a letter from the city that's like an official notice can be a little bit nerve wracking. 
And so that was kind of in our background. And so we kept getting these letters and it was just like, what is this? Like, this is so weird. Like, I can't believe, like, we're not in some gated community with all these covenants and, you know, and, um, so anyway, we, 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 we felt like it was fishy and I called the number that was provided on the letter and they're like, what's the name of, um. Well, you said it was Charles Lydon. Yeah. But it's Lydon. Yeah, Charles Lydon was the city inspector and a phone number. Well, I called the phone number and the phone number doesn't exist. And then I actually called the city of Madison asking for Charles Lydon. Like, no one under that name works here, which is the name of Emily's dad, right? And uh, so I knew something was fishy. And then finally, these guys confessed. And then Laurel felt horrible because, like,. <laughs> Kim, like, was she didn't cry, but she was just like, let it be known that that was really stressful for us. <laughs> so, but we laughed a lot, Emily and I, and Amy Anderson. Well, here's what's kind David of funny. Jordan. Here's what's kind of funny. This came out last Christmas, 2019, yes. mm-hmm. and we were at a staff Christmas party, I think, or elder Christmas party, and Zach begins launching into this. You'll never believe we're getting these letters. And I was like, he, it was, I was there. For some reason, Tony was there too. No, he wasn't there. That was the week, before, like two weeks, two weeks before our Christmas party. Okay. You were at, over for dinner. Maybe we were over house. at dinner. Tucci's were there. Yep. I don't know. Some people were at your house and you, you launch into this, like, we're getting these letters and you start describing them. And me, I'm like responding to you like, I can't believe this either. This is ridiculous, <laughs> but I'm not playing it out. Oh, I, I genuinely did not remember <laughs> that Laurel, that, that Laurel was Emily. doing this. And <laughs> about halfway through like your vent session of like, this, this has got to stop or whatever. And then like <laughs> Tony was, he's like, the realtor should know. <laughs> like, and then like, like that moment I was like, oh, I'm placing this conversation a couple months ago with Laurel and Emily, and then I shut my mouth and just you and Tony were just going off. On, yes, I remember that now. Yeah. We had you guys and the Tucci's over for dinner, and yeah, I was like, you guys are gonna believe these letters we're getting. It's so weird. And I like, you know, like Tony's like, I'm not complicit in this deal. Like well, that's ridiculous. Anyway, so how did we get off on this practical jokes? Um, yeah, James James joins you. We were talking about James and how awesome he is and how great our staff team is. Um, one time Laurel hid a bunch of uh, singular cigarettes all over my office. So, like, I would open up a book and there's, like, a squash cigarette in there or, like, in, the in like, the crevice of my couch, like, cushions. There's, like, cigarettes tucked in there and it's, like, in some counseling appointment and people are, like, what? why are you hiding cigarettes in here? I'm like, that's not me. One time they um, flipped all of my books on my bookshelf around so that the uh, pages were facing out and not like the binding. Super annoying. Actually, that wasn't Laurel. That was Amy Anderson and my daughter on a youth night. Anyway. My jokes are not annoying. They're just funny. Well, we could tell lots of these fun stories. Um, but I did want to end on a little bit maybe more of a helpful, serious note. Um, what are you guys praying about for 2021? What's uh, something that you're asking that the Lord would do and you would like to just pray bold prayers 
to say, Lord, would you do A, B, and C or whatever um, in 2021? New inspiration for more jokes. <laughs> oh, Laurel. I'm going to be praying for Laurel in 2021 a lot. I mean, I'm sure this is very cliche, but I'm praying for a vaccine so we can get like get back to that sense of normalcy and Amen. I just can't wait to meet together in person again at church. Yeah, I would amen that. Like it it feels like to me at least we are yeah, we're just like um we're we're flirting with danger, spiritual danger in terms of not gathering. Um I think we're already crossed the line honestly. Um there's nothing we can really um, do about it at this point, but, um, and I'm, I'm not making any conclusions about the near future necessarily in terms of our gathering, but, um, I think that's something we just really need to consider and take seriously that we have existed for many months now going against the grain of how God created us, um, in terms of, uh, our life and community. And so something we just really need to be reflective and praying about. Yeah, I think uh, as I think about 2021, um, I think of, <clears throat> I just think of kids and youth. Um, obviously, it's been kind of a odd year, um, but we're still we're still meeting as a youth group. We're still meeting online. Um, kids are still, um, you know, we're still going through the next gen curriculum. Uh, parents are are teaching it. Uh, I think I'm just praying. Um, I think I'm getting old. Uh, I'm turning 37 this year, and I feel like every year that I get older, the more I realize just the importance of uh, really that next generation that um, uh, sees Jesus as their Savior and Lord and grabs hold of uh, that salvation and um, uh, and lives that out. And so I think my prayer is just for the salvation of our kids. Um, that kids come to an understanding of their need for Jesus in their life, um, that we as parents, um, just just prayer for parents, that we would be faithful uh, in the discipling of our kids, um, and that youth who come to the basement, uh, just that there'd be a deepening of their faith, um, salvation or, or discipleship, uh, whatever that, that might be for them. Uh, but I think, you know, we always say next generation um Hang with me, but I, I kind of even like the word more than next generation of those who are going to continue on, um, you know, um, continue on with uh, advancing God's kingdom here on earth. I kind of, I, I like the word actually now generation of seeing kids right now um, uh, actively engaged in their faith and spreading it to neighbors, with family, um, within school or whatever, um, but Seeing, seeing our kids as a now reality of living out their faith and um, spreading God's kingdom um, in 2021. Thanks, James. That was really good. Um, when 2020, 2020, when 2020 <laughs> rolled around, my husband made this joke, and it took me a while to get it, but he said, oh, 2020, it's going to be the year of clarity. And he was, of course, referring to 2020 vision being perfect vision. But um, little did he know that we were going to have uh, many issues that we faced as a nation and as a world that um, 
or kind of like a sifting, kind of like a refining whenever you go through seasons of suffering where you um, have to learn to wait, where you do without, where you're not getting what you want. Um, there's a refining process that can take place. And so I think, you know, all of us have probably learned things or realized things or come to different conclusions. And so my prayer would be that uh, once we do get a vaccine and once we are back to quote unquote, what's normal, that we wouldn't forget the lessons and maybe those moments of clarity, those moments of slowing down, those moments of simplifying things and uh, that we wouldn't forget these things, that we would um, put them into practice and hold on to them. That as we continue to reflect on 2020, it wouldn't just be like uh, a verbal vomit of everything that was annoying and frustrating, but we'd be able to reflect on it and say, no, this is what the Lord did. And this is what he's continuing to do as a result of this season of suffering. So that's something I've been praying about. Yeah, I'm... I really want to ask the Lord for more conversions um, and just see more baptisms. Um, not as a, like notches in our evangelistic belt, like, but because we actually love people and uh, we love the Lord. And uh, so we can't not talk about him and the Holy Spirit just um, builds and grows boldness in us because we just love God so much. Um, how could we not share him and that he would, um, cause the spiritually dead to be risen from the dead, spiritually speaking. Um, and, and maybe that happens at other churches. Maybe the answer to that prayer is that it doesn't happen at the vine, but it happens at other churches. And if the Lord is pleased to do that, well then so be it. Great. It's not about us. Um, so that's fine too, but that it would happen. Um, I'd, I'd really, I'm really asking that we would be able to send the Eccles really well. Um, and that would be a, just a deep rejoicing in, um, answering a call to go and, and have that be a really beautiful thing. Um, sorrowful in the loss of their presence, uh, day to day, but rejoicing in, um, them being a blessing in a, in a needy place of the world. And you're just getting, I'm really, yeah, I want to see you, Houston, get off to a great start as a church planning resident and um, praying that God would really do that and grow your relationships at the vine and in deep, um, wider and deeper. And yeah, I think those are the big ones um, for me. More than anything, though, I was sharing with our staff this morning is um, the older I get, the more I am focused on the need for perseverance. And um, tragically, in the last decade, I've seen a lot of ministry, quote, rock stars um, go down in flames. And uh, we could tell those stories even in, in the headlines in the last week or two. Um, and when I was in my 20s and early 30s, I just kind of took perseverance and following Jesus for granted. And I don't anymore. And uh, all of the texts in the Bible that talk about perseverance, persevering faith, not giving up, you know, the book of Hebrews, stir one another up to love and good deeds. He writes that because people were chucking their faith. It's too hard. The cost is too much. And he's saying, you got to stir one another up. Um, perseverance is a big deal. Uh, you want to finish strong. And so more than anything, like, I just want us all to finish strong. 
you know. Um, maybe 2021 is the year the Lord returns. Um, maybe it's not. But no, either way, I want us to finish strong. And um, that just looks like day after day, keep showing up, faithful obedience, um, looking and abiding to Jesus. And uh, so more than anything, that's what I want. Um, it's not super flashy, but just the consistent um, willingness to keep showing up and to ask ask the Lord to do these things. So that's on my brain a lot, you know. I'm going to finish well. I want to persevere um, and just keep doing what we're doing. May the church keep being what we're supposed to be in terms of our mission statement. So you guys got anything else you want to uh, you want to say or reflections? All right. Well, hey, it's been a it's been a hard year, but it's been a good year, and we've testified to um, the goodness of the Lord through it all. And so uh, we look forward to, I guess it's season two, according to James, of the Vine Conversations podcast. But uh, yeah, we've got some fun things lined up for next year for the podcast, so stay tuned. For season two. Season two, yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah. Thanks, you guys. Love you guys. And we will... Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. <laughs>